0: would enter the promised land. When they came out of Egypt, uh, Moses sent Joshua and his mate Caleb and ten others to go and do a recce of the promised land. And they came back, and Joseph and Caleb said, it's a fantastic place, it's flowing with milk and honey, and all we need to do is march in and take over. The other ten said, it's a great place, but it's full of giants, and we we need to be really careful. And so consequently, they didn't go in, and they wandered aimlessly. The rest would die and never reach their destination. Their journey ended in disappointment and failure. But finally Joshua is told, turn now, Joshua, to the Jordan River. Take possession, cross the Jordan, and take possession of the Promised Land, starting, you may remember, with the first battle, the Battle of Jericho. So we're just going to hear that little story at the beginning of Joshua, Charlotte's going to come and share it with us, and then I'm going to come back on and develop it further.
1: This morning's reading is taken from Joshua, it's chapter 1, and it's verse 1 to 11. If you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 216, but I think the words will be on the screen. Joshua installed as leader. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people. Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you For your own. This is the word of the Lord.
0: And thanks Peter to I suppose of all the biblical characters, Joshua is one of my favourites. I mean, clearly there's Jesus and there's people like Paul and David, great characters. But Joshua is a a military man and is, as we've seen, he's a courageous man, he's bold. And the Lord gives him this direction now. Joshua, now's the time. Now you're going to move in and take over this promised land. And the way he does it is pretty impressive. To secure the promised land is going to take a long campaign. It's going to be 40 battles, starting with Jericho, and then the battle of Ai, and and various other battles. And there's going to be several major setbacks along the way. And Joshua displays extraordinary leadership and courage, both physical and moral courage. And by the end of his life, he achieved great things. But it was all built on one thing, Faith, his relationship with God. In that reading, God tells him, do not turn from the book of the law. Meditate on it, Joshua, day and night. And if you do that, then you will be successful. And I want to come back to that a little bit later. But before I do so, I want to ask you all a couple of questions. I want to reiterate maybe one of my earlier questions. First, where is your final promised land? And secondly, how are you going to get there? What road will you take? Now, there are lots of potential answers to such questions. For many, if not all of us, building a family, a good career, and reasonable wealth to allow for a decent home, for cars, for holidays, along with keeping healthy, playing or watching sport, having fun in life. All those things are understandable aspirations. And aiming to live such a life is a pretty good answer, although it still begs the question of what follows What follows in eternity. And anyway, is it enough? I was once told by a friend that to live a truly contented life required three things a clear sense of personal identity, a strong sense of purpose, and a deep sense of faith. Identity, knowing who we are, purpose knowing why we are here on this earth, and having a faith that ultimately it all matters, having faith in something or someone so eternally solid and true that it gives life true meaning. Family, career, and wealth can, of course, all contribute enormously to identity and purpose. They're all tremendously important. But faith is a different matter altogether. In a post-truth, fake news world, who or what do we put our faith in? Where do we get our directions for our journey in life? Is it from your favorite political party and their leader? Be that Tony Blair, or David Cameron, or Theresa May, or Jeremy Corbyn. Or maybe from your favorite football club, your favorite soccer club, like West Ham, Tom is feeling pretty happy this morning because West Ham won their first game of the season earlier on this week. Or Manchester United, who i followed since the 1950s, and we don't know how to have some strange management at the moment under Mourinho. Or Man City, which one of our other lay ministers is a great supporter of, Jeff, And Man City won the premiership last year. They've just lost the first, the last four games in the European Champions League. Do we put our trust, our faith in those sorts of organizations, those sorts of people. Because the reality, of course, is that we are all people of faith. Everybody out there is a person of faith. We all put our trust in something or someone. Faith is a worldview, an underlying narrative that uh, helps us to live our lives and helps us to answer profound questions, to do with meaning, with identity, with purpose, with the future. So we all either have a religious faith, like Christianity, or a secular faith, like atheism, or materialism, or humanism. We either look to our Heavenly Father as a God, as our God, for guidance and direction, or we look to ourselves as our own God. I increasingly hear that the idea today is that we should all aim just to be true to ourselves, to have faith in self, to be part of the iPad, the iPod, the iPhone selfie generation. But i rather think that Hitler or Stalin or Mao or Pol Pot or Milosevic or a raft of other people were all being true to themselves. The problem is that faith in something or someone doesn't make it trustworthy or true, even if that someone is me. All too often, we end up by being bitterly disappointed. Like all of us, Jessica and Adam will make choices in the future about jobs, relationships, where they will live, the size and shape of their families, choose their friends and leisure activities. And all of those things are important, and hopefully they will bring them much happiness. But will they lead them to a promised land? The reality, of course, is that there will also be bad days, disappointments, as there are for all of us here today, and we've sung something about that this morning. The harsh truth is that for huge numbers of people, marriages are tough, children are difficult, jobs are depressing, bosses overly demanding. Living with poor health, pain or loneliness, struggling with life, facing huge challenges and misunderstanding, it's all too easy to be left with no sense of arriving at a promised land or any idea of how to get there. I don't mean to say that life isn't interesting. There's still fun and laughter, still life. But in the quiet moments, we can see that it's all lost a sense of fulfillment, a sense of direction. Rather like the people of Israel going around stuck in the desert for 40 years, we just end up seemingly going nowhere like driving around the M25, sometimes freely, sometimes locked in traffic, but ultimately just going round and round in life in circles, lives dominated by uncertainty, maybe even fear. And the equally harsh truth is that even if our earthly relationships are secure, our education complete, our job settled, our family content, our lives apparently sorted, cracked, content, under control, there's often still a sense that there must be something more important than this. Something to give me a sense of real identity and purpose. Which is why today is so important for all the various people involved in the baptisms. First, of course, the children, baby Jessica and little Adam, but also for their family and their friends, especially Jessica and Adam's parents and godparents, and finally, for all of us, the congregation we were all asked a series of questions Daniel asked the parents and godparents of Jessica if they would care for her and pray for her draw her by their example into the community of faith and walk with her in the way of Christ and to both them and to young Adam he asked do you reject evil and its empty promises do you turn to Christ as saviour Do you trust in him as Lord? And do you come to him as the way and the truth and the life? And after the baptism, Daniel challenged them not to be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ, to stand bravely with him, oppose the power of evil, and remain his faithful disciple to the ends of their lives. In other words, to fight valiantly, as a disciple of Christ, against sin, the world, and the devil. Through baptism, Daniel said, God has delivered Jessica and Adam from darkness and given them a place with the saints in light. A light to walk in all the days of their lives. A light to give their lives meaning, identity, purpose. It's fantastic stuff. It's powerful Words. For many of us as adults, we go to baptisms many times over the years. And often the words just flow over us. But being a soldier, they're fighting talk. They're great words. They're powerful words. And they all started, Daniel started that baptism service with these words. In baptism, these children begin their journey of faith. Jessica and Adam have today set out on the road to Christian faith, a journey of faith that is crucial if they are to achieve a contented life, and with it, an eternal promised land. So the key question for all of us that follows is pretty simple. Where are we in all of this? More pointedly, what's your identity? What's your purpose in life? Who or what can you trust? Who can you really rely on as being true? Something or someone to live your lives for, something or someone to die for. I was born in 1951 and had a very happy childhood, and 20 years later I marched up the steps at the Academy at Sandhurst and was commissioned into the British Army, my chosen career In 1972, as I said earlier, Christian and I were married, uh, began our journey together as a couple, and the arrival of three children, and now five grandchildren. And over the years since, I've grown intellectually, maturing, learning, hopefully becoming a person of greater understanding, and maybe a bit of wisdom. To be honest, I never gave really serious thought to Jesus Christ until I entered the army. But after my commissioning, like most of my contemporaries, I found myself deploying around the world on various operations all over the place. And I began to realize that the words that Daniel talked about in that baptism service, sin, evil, were not just interesting theological words. They were a reality of a badly broken world. My friend Ian Jura used to say that most people become Christians by either traveling up the M1 or the M2. The M1 is like the Damascus Road, one M in the word Damascus, where we travel on that road and suddenly there's a blinding experience of the presence of Christ. Just as Paul, traveling up the Damascus Road, had this revelation of Jesus Christ appear in front of him. The M2 is like the Emmaus Road, two M's in Emmaus. And the Emmaus Road is where Jesus walked alongside two of his disciples after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Two sad disciples disappointed by what had happened and Jesus walks alongside them and opens up the scriptures and explains to them why what had happened had to happen. I'm more of an M2 man than an M1 man. I don't know about you guys. I needed some convincing before I accepted Christ and became his disciple. As Paul says in Romans chapter 12, I needed to be transformed by the renewal of my mind. Accepting Christ was the most important decision in my life. Accepting him gave me true identity and purpose. It transformed my thinking and gave me a faith that has sustained me for the last 37 years since I made that decision. I have put my faith in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, whose physical and moral courage carried him to the cross to die for me and for you and for all humanity, promising to those of us who are prepared to put him above all the worldly stuff, career, wealth, and yes, even family, true contentment. And my identity and purpose in Christ will carry me through not just my life here on earth, but on into eternity. When we're going on a long journey, most of us like to use some sort of global satellite positioning system, navigation system, like those used by a in our cars or Google Maps on our mobiles. And some of you may have used that to get here this morning. The aeroplane certainly would have used it coming from America. A functioning and accurate GPS needs to tune in to receive the necessary data, information, to get us from where we need to, to where we need to go from where we are now. Joshua led his people into the Promised Land because he had learnt to listen to God's direction, constantly turning to him to seek guidance, to seek direction. His sat now gave him the courage and the determination to drive on through the defeats, the failures, and the losses into success. And I've tried over the years to do the same. Christianity is all about a person, Jesus Christ, which is why it is fundamentally different from every other religion. It's not primarily a teaching or a philosophy, nor even a way of life. It's above everything else a relationship to a person. Without Jesus, we are rudderless and without hope or direction in this world. His words declare the universal requirement for being set free and living free. And they apply to all of us, young and old, poor and rich, powerless or powerful, all races, all classes, all generations. If you stand by my teaching, he said, as the word, the logos, as the very meaning of meaning, then you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How do we find this truth? We tune in, we seek, we search, we study and we open our hearts and minds to Jesus Christ. His journey took him on a road that ended at Calvary, where the cross and the resurrection confirmed his identity and fulfilled his purpose. Where will our road take us? It's been well said, I can't remember who said it, but it's been well said that there are only two certainties in life, taxes and death. The certainty of death means that one day we will all cross the River Jordan. We will cross the line from life here on earth to whatever awaits us beyond the grave. At the end of his life, Joshua gathered his people together to renew the covenant between God and the people, between God and the nation Israel. And he finished with these words. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice we all have to make. Worship the Lord or the gods of your own making. And in making that choice, we have to accept the eternal consequences. Jessica and Adam's family have today made their choice, as have many others in here, here in church today and out there in the broader world. But for those of us who have not yet made that choice, not yet made a decision for Christ, today is a good day for that to happen. Today is a good day to choose or to reaffirm that choice. Would you all like to stand? I just want to finish by saying prayer. And as you stand, maybe reflect on where you are on this journey.